So glad to see each of you here this morning. We're thankful for those that are visiting. We are glad you're with us today. We've uh, been talking at least uh, earlier this year. I preached a sermon on types and shadows and kind of a theme I want to kind of spend some time with from time to time. And so uh, we talked about how sin was a type or bondage in Egypt was like a type of sin. And here today we're going to talk about uh, Adam as Adam is a type of the Christ. You know, as we've said before, the Old Testament contains uh, types of New Testament anti-types. You know, an anti-type is the object that is represented by a type. A type is a, something that has a representative form or the characteristic of something else. And so Jesus is an anti-type of Adam, and Adam is the type of Christ. And so he is a figure of the one that was to come. Now, God never intended the Old Testament to be his final revelation to man. Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. And so it was never intended to last forever. It does, though, it contains types and figures and patterns and shadows of New Testament things that were to come, the anti-types. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 9 simply says, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to to the conscience, talking about the the Old Testament sacrifices, uh, Hebrews chapter nine and verse twenty three. There, there we read. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. The the New Testament sacrifice of Jesus Christ would be a better sacrifice, a more perfect sacrifice than that which was made under the Old Testament. And that full forgiveness of sins would come through that. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereto, uh, thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. And so, you know, as we look at the Old Testament and we compare the things in the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Old Testament types perfectly fit into the New Testament's uh, church, its doctrines and Christ. And so we can learn some things from these Old Testament Types. We can learn a lot of things about our Lord from the Old Testament type of Adam. Therefore, we can, uh, you know, these types, they confirm the church of the Bible to be the fulfillment of the long-standing will of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, There to the intent that now unto the principalities 
and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, there are those that teach a, a doctrine known as premillennialism, and they say that Christ came to establish an earthly kingdom in the first century and was rejected, and so put the church in place as a, a, a last-minute alteration of his plan. But here we see in verse 11, the church was the ultimate purpose for which Christ came. Uh, and so the wisdom of God, the, the manifold wisdom of God is seen in the church, in the establishment of the church, the eternal purpose of God in establishing the church. Uh, and so uh, as we are going to begin at this look at this comparison between Adam and Jesus, let's turn over to Romans chapter 5. And of course we know uh, Romans chapter 5 is a, has that beautiful treatise about how Christ came to, to take away our sins when we were at enmity with God, that, that God uh, sent His Son Jesus to die for us. And then as we pick up in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, you know, he, again, the wherefore, watch it therefore, we talked about that uh, we were in sin until Christ came and made it possible for us to be forgiven of sins. And so he says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, of course he's referring to Adam, the first man who sinned, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him to come. Notice here, the figure of him to come, speaking about Christ, but not, not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. You know, it says by the offense of one, all are dead. It's not saying, it does not mean that we inherit the guilt of Adam's sin. But we have sinned after the similitude or in the same way that Adam sinned. Uh, by turning away from God and, and transgressing God's law. That's all it's saying there. We followed his example. Uh, it says... Uh, forgot what verse we were in. But not as the offense, in verse 15, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, disobedience, 
many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And so uh, Romans chapter 5 draws this comparison between uh, Jesus and between uh, Adam, how that one introduced sin into the world, and the other brought about the uh, ability to be uh, totally free from that sin. And so there are many uh, comparisons also that we can draw between Adam and Christ. Uh, And so we're going to point out several of these as we go along. Here, uh, first of all, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we see that that, uh, Adam was created by a miracle. It says there that uh, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so we see the, the miracle that brought about the first man into the earth. He was created by God of the dust of the ground. And God breathed into his nostrils. He became a living soul. We see the the miracle of his uh, creation of the first man. Jesus also was conceived by a miracle. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Talking about the miraculous conception of Jesus. Before she'd ever been with her husband. Before they had uh, been bound completely as husband and wife. Just as spouse to one another. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And verse 23. Uh, verse 22 says. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by the Lord. By the prophet saying. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so uh, Matthew there refers to uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, the the prophecy of uh, one born of a virgin. So we see the, the miracle of creation in the creation of Adam. We see the miracle of birth and in conception in the birth of Jesus. And so uh, uh, the comparisons certainly go on from there. Uh, You know, Jesus, I'm sorry, excuse me, Adam uh, is the head of the physical family. We all, every one of us, descend from Adam. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice as we start verse 45, it says, So it is written, the first man Adam made a living soul, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. We'll get to that in a moment. Howbeit, that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. So the first man, the first Adam, of course, is the natural Adam, a man born of flesh. Uh, uh, ordinary birth, or not ordinary birth, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, he's made of the things of the earth, uh, that which is natural, afterward that which is spiritual. And the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As if the earthy, such are, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And so we see here that, that we all descend from Adam. 
He is the head of the human family, the physical family. But Christ, Christ is the head of the spiritual family. Ephesians 3, verses 14 and verse 15. It says, Therefore this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so we are all uh, the physical descendants of Adam, but spiritually when we are born again as a child of God, we become uh, the spiritual descendant of Christ. And then uh, we also see that uh, in uh, the creation of man and woman, that, that uh, Adam was placed into a deep sleep. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. We'll leave it there for a moment. Jesus also experienced the sleep of death, from which he also arose. John chapter 19 and verse 30. It says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And so he experienced the sleep of death. He was in the tomb uh, till the third day. The morning of the third day, he arose. And so uh, he underwent a deep sleep. Uh, Adam, when he, went to, when he underwent that deep sleep, his side was opened. Again, Genesis 2, 21. Uh, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And so his side was open. Christ, uh, his side also was open on the cross. Or John chapter 19 and verse 34 says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And so it clearly shows that Christ was dead on the cross before the the. Uh, spear pierced his side because blood and water came out. The, the, the water kind of congeals in the, in the flesh as, uh, at the moment of death. And so it was released there when the, uh, the side was opened with a spear. We see also that uh, from Adam, his rib was taken in verse 22. It says, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And so the woman was formed, or the rib was taken from the, from the side of, of Adam. The blood was taken from the side of Christ. The rib was taken from Adam uh, and the blood of Christ was shed. And John, again, John chapter 19 and verse 34, when he shed that blood, when his side was opened. Also, we see that the woman then was formed from Adam's rib. Uh, it says there in verse 22, it says, And the rib which the Lord had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And it was with the blood of Christ that the bride was purchased, the church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto, the, unto yourselves, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23, that Adam then named his wife. It says, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, 
and the flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And then later in chapter 3, she was named Eve uh, because she is the, the mother of all that live. And so, uh, but he called her woman. Uh, Jesus also named his bride. Uh, the church, the churches of Christ are Christian. Romans chapter 16 and verse 16. Uh, as a whole, it says, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. We see the name of the church, the church of Christ, the church that belongs to Christ, the individual congregations of that church when he uses the plural here, but it's the one church of which there are many congregations. The churches that belong to Christ, that are of Christ, is uh, what he named it. And then as individuals, Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, it says there, uh, speaking of Barnabas, bringing Paul with him to Antioch. It says, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And so uh, the comparisons go on in verse 24. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 24. Uh, here we see that Adam and Eve, they, they clave to one another. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so when God brought, made the woman of the rib of Adam, he brought her to him, and they became one flesh because they were bone of, of the same bone. And so they clave together. They became one. And we see that uh, Christians also should cleave to the Lord and also to one another. In Luke chapter 14, in verse 26, there it says, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and his mother, his wife and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple." Our bond to the Lord should be greater than any other bond. It supersedes our bonds to, to one another, to our children, to our wife, to our husband, to our father, to our mother. Uh, the, our relationship with God supersedes all other relationships. We are to cleave to Him. And then in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, that says simply to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. And so we've got to love God more than anyone else, but we also ought to love and cleave to our brethren and have a, a preference for them, that brotherly love for one another, that kind affection. And then we see uh, that the uh, family of Adam was propagated through seed. Notice there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and verse 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so we're to multiply. Adam's family was to multiply uh, through seed also the church. 
You think about the church, the family of God is propagated by seed, which is the word of God. Luke chapter 8, uh, there is the parable there of the, uh, of, the, of the sower. And remember there are the four kinds of soil in which the, the seed is spread. Uh, you have the wayside soil. You have the, the, the soil that has all the rocks in it, the soil that has all the thorns in it, and then you have the good soil that's been prepared to receive the seed. And the seed, of course, that the metaphor he's talking about is the word of God being spread and the types of people that receive it, the way people receive the word. But in Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, uh, he, he describes the parable. He says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And so it is the family of God is propagated by the seed, which is the word of God. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so these are just a few of the comparisons that could be made between Adam and Christ. As we move on this morning, I want us to take a closer look at a couple of these passages. And so we're going to begin uh, going back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude, or in the same way, the same manner, as Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And so notice here that Adam... Uh, represents humanity. Uh, he introduced sin into the world which led to death, uh, the consequences of sin. Again, as we go on, verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, the gift of by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. For if by one man's Offense, death reigned by one, much more they shall receive abundance of grace, and gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And so again, uh, we see, uh, as we saw in verse Corinthians 15, that, that uh, the, the first Adam was earthy. He represents us as humanity. He's the one, uh, along with his wife Eve, how they, they gave in to the temptation in the garden. Introduce sin of the world which leads to death. But Jesus Christ, he represents the Godhead. Introduce righteousness into the world. Righteousness which leads to life eternal. And so 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22. Uh, there, once again we read, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so Adam brought the gift, you might say, the gift of sin and death. And when we choose to sin, we choose death. You know, Adam made the choice to sin. He was not uh, held against his will and forced into sin. His wife did not hold him down in a, in a headlock and, and shove the uh, fruit into his mouth. He took it from her. She offered it. He took it. Just like she was not forced into it. When we choose sin, we choose death. 
And they knew it. If you go back in Genesis chapter 2, he said, In the day that ye thereof, ye shall die. Death is a result of sin. We see with Christ, so he brought the gift of life. And if we choose the righteousness which comes by Christ, then we, have, uh, we can have that eternal life. You know, what the creation, Adam, failed to do for himself. You know, it is not in man that walks to direct his steps. Jer- uh, Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 tells us. You know, we cannot save ourselves. Adam could not save himself. Adam could not uh, deal with his own sin. Christ, though... He made that sin, that forgiveness of sin possible. Even Adam's sin was forgiven, but that was really in prospect of Christ's coming. That first promise that was made there in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 of the coming Messiah. The one who would come and take away the sins of the world. In either one of these cases. Whether we choose sin or we choose life, we've got to take hold of either gift. Committing sin that leads, uh, you know, is a choice. We must choose Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45 then. Uh, It says there, And so it is written, The first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. You know, Adam was made after the order of creation and also bore the image of God. Adam, however, through sin, allowed the earthly side of him to to go astray, to err. And overcame the spiritual side of him. Jesus Christ, a spirit being, reintroduced the spiritual into the world. He came down from heaven. Uh, Came in in human flesh. Brought the spiritual back into the world. Christians in particular will bear the image of the spiritual over the image of our earthly existence. You know, we we have an earthly form, a physical form, but we are made in the image of God. And in Christ we we can be reborn and, and put that image of God back on to be faithful to Him. To have that hope of heaven. And so as we look at uh, types and antitypes of fulfillments, uh, one can easily see some of the significant features of the antitype. The antitype, again, in this case is Jesus. And he's more important than the type. The antitype is always more important than the type. Though we are dual beings possess Possessing both body and spirit, we must nurture the spirit rather than gratifying the lust of the flesh. Adam introduced sin and death, whereas Jesus introduced righteousness and life. You know, we must seek to follow the example of Jesus rather than the example of Adam. Now, while we do not inherit the gift or the guilt of Adam's sin at birth, you know, the doctrine that, that man is a sinner from the moment of his birth is a false doctrine. Clearly shown to be so in Ezekiel 18.20. Where it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be on him. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Now, 
We don't inherit the gift, but many of us, though, at some point, uh, really all of us, at some point, we're going to, to walk after Adam's example and miss the mark and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we continue to live in that sin, then death will be the result, for the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. However, if we choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, His example will lead us to eternal life. 1 Peter 2, verse 21 says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. And so following the, the similitude of Adam leads to sin and death. Following the example of Jesus leads to life eternal. If we obey Christ, He will save us. He is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. And if we love Christ, we will obey Him. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus said to His disciples, If you love Me, keep My commandments. And so His commandments that we are to keep, we've got to, to believe in Him. Certainly we must have faith. We must believe that He is the Son of God or we will die in our sins. John chapter 8 verse 24. That belief must lead us to repent. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. We must also, uh, in our faith, confess our belief that Jesus is the Son of God. If we will not do so before men, He will not do so before uh, that He knows us before His Father in heaven. And then baptism. Baptism is for the remission of sins. Without baptism, one cannot be saved. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. And then we may need to live a life faithfully dedicated to Him uh, even as our Lord said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Today, if you're here and you have not followed the example of Jesus, you know, we've all followed the example of Adam and come short of the glory of God. But if you've not followed the example of Jesus and, and obeyed Jesus' commandments, become a child of God through belief and repentance and confession Baptism, and we urge you today to do so, to put on Christ in baptism. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We urge you today to put on Christ, to put on the, the spiritual over the earthly. We urge you today, if you are uh, a Christian who has done those things in the past but has not been living faithfully, as our Lord said, then we urge you to repent and to come back. Today, if we can help you at all to, to obey God, Help you at all to, to uh, return to, to following Jesus. Why don't you please let us know by coming forward as together we stand and sing.